0: Snuff production. This is Global Truths with Dr. Keith Souter. Every week we discover something going on in the world and we break it down for you. There is no one better place to do this than Dr. Keith. You have been doing this for decades. You are an expert in foreign politics, foreign affairs You've been commentating in media your whole career. You got three PhDs in this. And I have been lucky enough to work with you for the last few years in um, obviously this podcast and also in television before that and producing. Uh, my name's Kate Mack. So today we're going to be talking about the three weeks that changed the world. And it's it's really about America's complete mishandling of the coronavirus outbreak. Um, Keith, this is, I mean, an extraordinary read as you found out this particular article.
1: It's a very good article. It appears in The Atlantic. It used to be called The Atlantic Monthly, but they're now only published 10 a year. So it's uh, just called The Atlantic. People ask me, is there a good way to be kept informed about things? And I do recommend The Atlantic. It's published now in Washington, D.C. You can get it online. You can also subscribe to a hard copy version And some of the articles do appear for free online. And the article I've been reading this week is the current edition of the magazine, and it's by James Fallows. And it's three weeks that changed everything. Uh, James Fallows is a pilot, and he and Deborah Fallows travelled around the United States in 2018, well before the coronavirus crisis, and they wrote a book called Our Towns, which also got summarised in The Atlantic. And they, in a sense, provided a different slice of life from the American way of life that we see, because most of the major media outlets are based in New York or Washington or Chicago, San Francisco. And so you get a very urban-based view of what life is like in America. They decided to go on a road trip, except it was in their plane, and they just flew from one little town to another. And they provide a really marvellous alternative picture of what the United States is like. It's not all just shootings in New York. There's a lot more going on in America. So Fellows is an accredited pilot, and he's taken a very interesting approach to try to understand why things have gone so badly in the United States. The United States is now the world leader in the numbers of people who have died through coronavirus. The figures now exceed the total number of people who were killed in World War One, double the number of people who were killed in the American Civil War. And um, this week, the state of Florida recorded the highest daily count of any place in the world for uh, the COVID infection. So it's a really serious situation. So the, so the fellows, in trying to make sense of all of this, said, well, what would happen if the National Transport Safety Bureau had had control of this situation. So flying is a very dangerous activity. So in Australia, we have Qantas, which is the world's safest airline, never had a fatal crash. But we nonetheless still have a fatal crash in Australia on average once every 10 days. And they're small planes, you know, people flying from the station to go into town to collect the groceries for the week, uh, for the month. So flying is still dangerous, but he says that the modern aviation system works. So from the dawn of commercial aviation through to the 1990s, 1,000 to 2,000 people would typically die each year in airline crashes. Today, the worldwide total is usually about one-tenth of that. We've had tragic episodes, of course, with two aircraft from Boeing. He said that... um, last year before the pandemic began more than 25,000 commercial airline flights took off every day from airports in the United States and every one of them landed safely so he's saying that the approach of the national transport safety bureau and of course australia has its own equivalent is saying why can't we look at the coronavirus crisis in the united states from the point of view of as an aviation matter and how the National Transportation Safety Bureau would do it. I'll just list how they would think. So whenever the National Transport Safety Bureau get involved, the first question is, what is the flight plan? Secondly, who are the air traffic controllers? Three, what is the emergency checklist that you have to work through on a plane? Number four is the role of the pilot and Number five is the control system. So either what we might do is just work through those five components, except applying them, <laughs> as he does, to coronavirus. So he says, in terms of the flight plan, the biggest single reason flying is so much safer now than it was even a quarter of a century ago, is that flight crews, air traffic controllers, and the airline dispatchers who coordinate with pilots have so many precise tools with which to anticipate conditions and hazards hours or days in advance. So he says, well, all right, that's what it would be like in the air. What about the coronavirus? Well, since the early years of the George W. Bush administration, the US government has devoted scientific, military and intelligence tools to refining its understanding of what diseases might be emerging and from where and what might be done about them. So um, the Bush and then Obama administrations had crises like the H5N1 bird flu outbreak in 2005, which originated in Asia and was mainly confined there. Then you had the SARS outbreak, um, which had also occurred. And what is interesting is the fact that epidemics cause social disruption. And so... The United States has now created an artificial intelligence program that monitors social disruption. So it actually, instead of going for the disease, it's looking for how the disease is suddenly being manifested. So, for example, suddenly the price of chicken goes down in Thailand and it gets your attention. It may mean that farmers have seen that their flock is sick and they slaughter them all at once and send them to the market. That's an epidemic which, uh, which shows up as social disruption, and that's how the American system is designed to operate.
0: Is that the norm in the Western world?
1: Well, I'm, I'm just beginning to learn all this myself. I, I'm not sure to what extent we've got our own similar artificial intelligence uh, systems that are monitoring all of this. Now, Barack Obama uh, built on what President Bush had created And he got the Pandemic Prediction and Forecasting Science and Technology Working Group. So Obama took that original thinking and took it a step further and they built in an arrangement with China. Remember, there's been a criticism that China's not helping. Well, Obama negotiated an arrangement to have Americans based in China. Remember, many of these diseases come out of China. China recognises that problem. And so um, the Chinese said, all right, we'll agree to having an American intelligence team, probably with a grander title than that, <laughs> based here. Trump comes into office, cancels the arrangement.
0: So why, why would he cancel the arrangement? I know this even from nation- Obama.
1: Era. It's as simple as that. Just pure spite. It's just. I was horrified when I read this in the article that we would have had an early warning system if Trump had followed through on the Obama agreement and deployed those Americans to cities like Wuhan. We would have had that early warning as a globe. Remember, that's how air traffic, how they, they work in the air. We would have had the same for the coronavirus. As he says for number one, to sum up, the weather forecast showed a dangerous storm ahead and the warnings came in plenty of time. At the start of January this year, The total number of people infected with the virus was probably less than 1,000. All or nearly all of them were in China. Not a single case or fatality had been reported in the United States. So there was, in theory, a system on the ground, except that Trump never implemented it. We could have nipped it in the bud at That, that very time.
0: It's just a travesty for the world. Oh,
1: this is such an explosive article. It really is. The second component would be the air traffic controllers who have done uh, making flying so safe by means of what he calls a thoroughgoing, borderless internationalisation. So in other words, if you're in the air traffic control business or a pilot, you have to be fluent in English. No matter what country you're from, you've got to be fluent in English. So they're all speaking the same uh, basic language. When the new coronavirus threat suddenly materialised, American engagement was the signal all other participants were waiting for, but this time it did not come. Remember, they did not have their early warning team and Trump was saying, oh, it's just a form of flu. Don't
0: worry. Yeah, for, yeah, for Remember, many weeks.
1: Trump's concern is that he was wanting to get re-elected in November and so he wanted to have a booming economy. He didn't want to have anything that would scare people and, and slow the American economy. I might just say in retrospect, that all of the gains that Americans made with three years of Trump administration in terms of economics went within a month. That was the extent of the collapse of the American economy.
0: And, yeah, and I do think people will remember the way he was, um, had his head in the sand, I guess, from around December, January onwards around the coronavirus.
1: Well, it's up to the Democrats to keep on reminding people. Yeah. It's as simple as that. So he says, what, what did the breakdown in U.S.-Chinese cooperation mean in practice? That the U.S. knew less than it would have done otherwise, knew it later, and that its actions brought out the worst rather than merely the bad in China's own approach to the disease, which was essentially to cover it up internally and stall in allowing international access to emerging data. That the Trump administration lost whatever it leverage it might have had over Chinese President Xi Xi and his officials, and that chance to keep the disease within the confines of a single country was lost forever. Mm. So that, that's the second problem, you know, in terms of the air traffic controllers. It's just extraordinary. It is indeed.
0: This is Global Truths with Dr Keith Souter. We're talking today about the three weeks that changed the world and these are markers. There are, and there are six of them and they're, they're reasons essentially why America dropped the ball and the coronavirus and it spread throughout the world and particularly is worst actually really in America right now. It was probably always going to spread but America did, well, again, as we did well, mention before. fellows would
1: say it wasn't always inevitable. If enough steps have been taken, if right. the National Transport Safety Bureau, so to speak, its mentality had been in place, we would avoid the crisis that we now have. That's that's, that's the essence of this argument. So um, he, he's got this checklist of, of five components that the National Transport Safety Bureau would have if they were dealing with a, uh, an aircraft crash. The number three on that list is the emergency checklist. And he says, for me as an amateur pilot, the most gripping moments in the Tom Hanks movie, Sully, I don't know if you saw that Mm. movie, uh, came immediately after the bird strike. The film recreates Captain Chesley Scullenberger's feat of safely gliding a fully loaded U.S. Airways plane to a landing in the Hudson River after it flew through a flock of Canada geese and lost power in both of its engines. Obviously, the moment of touchdown brings drama, but what I found most remarkable was the calm way with which the captain and his first officer systematically worked through the emergency checklist, looking for every possibility to regain power as the plane headed down. Aviation is safe. Even after all the advances in forecasting and technology, its culture still imagines emergencies and rehearse his steps for dealing with them. So this is what is interesting. So from the aviation point of view, you don't rest on your laurels. You don't say, oh, we've now created safe planes because flying is dangerous. Mm. So it says you've got to have lots of things prepared for it. So what we're looking at then is that anything that Barack Obama recommended, Donald Trump was likely to ignore. And so... Of the many lies Trump and his defenders have spun, none is more flatly false than the claim, as stated by the Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell in May, that the Obama administration did not leave any kind of game plan for something like this. They had it all there. <laughs> so I'm just amazed at how you get politicians who can just lie but so, that's... <laughs> so blatantly.
0: You tell me that I'm the optimist. <laughs> Uh, that's what they do. <laughs> <laughs> but so, you're right because, but as you say, uh, yeah, they just have no qualms. And also Trump has really set the tone there, hasn't yeah. he? Because he's lied so much throughout. And well, of course you would expect people in his party to also tell those kind of blatant lies. Yeah.
1: So if you want to, you can get onto the internet. There's a 69-page single-spaced Obama administration document officially called Playbook for Early Response to High Consequence Infectious Disease Threats and Biological Incidents. It's there on the net. You get, it, you can download it, freely available. And it describes exactly what the Trump team was determined not to do. Absolute tragedy. So there are Americans dying today because of uh, uh, the errors made by Obama. Uh, sorry, made by Trump, who would not follow the recommendations from Obama, who in turn was following on from Bush. So here you have this interesting political cooperation between Bush, whom we tend to criticise very heavily, and Obama. They got it right on diseases. So the warning was all there and it was ignored. Number four on the checklist is the pilot, the role of the pilots. And, of course, in this case, the pilot is Donald Trump. The person behind the desk, As President Trump, is the same person as you see on TV, emotional, opinionated, fixed on his own hobby horses and distorted views of reality, unwilling or unable to absorb new information. So every day he gets a presidential briefing, which he ignores. He doesn't read the document. So the warnings were being given, as we now know. Uh, He got his first warning on January 29 from um, Peter Navarro, a warning about what could be the problems here. So there were early warnings, being given on all of this, and Trump just chose to ignore it. It's absolutely frightening, precisely because he does, well, he's so bad at his job, but also because it was an Obama document, with, um, and then later was getting other warnings which he just didn't fit into his worldview. Our system has a single point of failure an irrational president, at least in an airline cockpit, the first officer can grab the controls from a captain who is steering the aircraft towards doom. So you're safer in a plane than you are in the United States on the ground.
0: (laughs) Not ideal, Keith, that.
1: (laughs) And then finally, we've got what are called the control systems. And uh, the control system, he opens with a comment, the deadliest airline crash in US history occurred in 1979. An American Airlines DC-10 took off from O'Hare Airport in Chicago. And just as it was leaving the ground, an incorrectly mounted engine ripped away from one of its wings. When the engine's pylon was pulled off, it would cut the hydraulic lines that led to the cockpit and to the control services of the wings. So it's a warning that these planes are incredibly complicated. You get one thing that goes wrong and then suddenly you get um, a succession of things that therefore then lead into a crash. The more complex the organisation, the more its success or failure turns on the skill of people in its middle layers, the ones who translate a leader's decision to the rest of the team in order to get results. Doctors depend on nurses. Architects depend on contractors and craftspeople. Generals depend on lieutenants and sergeants. A president depends on people who have developed the skills and muscle memory needed to shift a huge bureaucracy's focus. Because Donald Trump himself had no grasp of this point and because he and those around him preferred political loyalists and family retainers rather than holdovers from the deep state, the whole federal government became like a restaurant with no cooks or a TV station with stars but no one to turn the cameras on.
0: (laughs) Good analogy. Very
1: good analogy. You know, you've got someone like Dr. Fauci to whom Trump has not spoken for a month.
0: Now, this is the lead um, lead health expert. He's the leading, and yeah. he's
1: a public servant, so Trump can't sack him. So Trump sacks his cabinet colleagues because he appoints them, whereas uh, Dr. Fauci was appointed through the US public service system and so can't be sacked by a president. You, can, you start to take steps to get rid of the public servant, but it takes an awfully long time. So Dr. Fauci has continued to operate, continued to warning. I I think he's made out of stainless steel. Mm. You remember he had to take on the gay lobby over AIDS when people who ran the bathhouses in New York uh, tried to downplay the risk of AIDS in their uh, establishments. This is
0: decades ago, yeah? This is
1: decades ago. So Dr Fauci has got the runs on the board. He's made of stainless steel and and yet Trump has decided to ignore him.
0: (laughs) It's just extraordinary. Well, hopefully what what Where two from here, Keith? Well, this is what so utterly depressing
1: about the article I've got to say because what fallows has, has in effect said is that the united states is is pretty well doomed because of the behavior under these five headings of the trump administration. Coronavirus. and and trump is is has led to the deaths of over a hundred thousand people. This could have been nipped in the bud. If if the Obama era legislation was in place, and you had intelligence, the
0: ego wasn't so big.
1: That's right. Mm. Uh, the summation by a former senior official was uh, says, "Here we stand on a mountain of dead.
0: <sighs> Dr. Keith, fascinating as always, and a little scary. Thank you. Global Truths was presented by Dr. Keith Souter and me, Kate Mack. Produced by Matt Dwyer. Audio production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.